This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, all nine teams have submitted their active rosters and their practice rosters. So we'll go team by team, breaking them down and talk to somebody from each club. Plus, the National Lacrosse League unveiled its new logo, and it's been met with mixed reviews. And plus, do we really need a lacrosse emoji? All that and more on OTCB. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Uh, We are just nine days away from the start of the 2017 National Lacrosse League season. December 29th, Toronto visits the Rochester Nighthawks. And then the next night, if you happen to go down to that game in Rochester the night before, do yourself a favor. Do the double dip. Go to Buffalo on Saturday night and watch the Mammoth and Bandits play. A great way to kick off your NLL season. A great way to end 2016. And you'll get to see two really, really good lacrosse games. So, not a bad way to start. As mentioned off the top of the show, Monday was roster deadline day, and all nine clubs have submitted their 20 and four rosters. There were some surprises. Um, there were some not so surprising moves. And then there were some like really surprising moves. We'll try to break down as many as we can. It's trying to be only an hour show. Oftentimes we go longer. Um, We can't talk about every single player that has been dropped from rosters, but we can kind of touch base on a few of them when we do our pop and drops later. But we will hear from nine different people today. True story. But don't worry. We're going to try to keep this as short and sweet as we can. So we're going to get right to it. Everyone will have their eyes on the Saskatchewan Rush. They are the two-time defending Champions Cup champions. They hold the trophy. And they really wanted to make a statement Friday night at the Sastel Center. They had nearly 12,500 people there, which is just mind-boggling for an exhibition game. They came back down four goals in the fourth to beat Calgary. There was a bit of a brouhaha a goalie fight, possible suspensions, and just an all-round, mid-season, even playoff-type atmosphere. As mentioned, we're going to talk to somebody from every team. First off, Rush defender Kyle Rubish. He's been in many of these Calgary, very Saskatchewan slash Edmonton rivalry games. And when I caught up with him, first of all, I asked him, how much of a building point and a bonding moment was what happened on that floor Friday night at the end of that game? You know, obviously, there's a rivalry with Calgary. We play each other so much, so things like that can uh, happen time to time. But when you uh, see your teammates stick up for one another and uh, bond together, it can uh, go a long way for a long season. Who was the more surprising fighter, Churchy or Bolt? <laughs> uh, I'd say Church, but... Uh, 
church he was he was involved but uh he always he's always playing hard and uh i'm not too too surprised to see him mixing it up a bit and he fared pretty well it's hard to see everything but uh yeah i think he fared pretty well for himself what's the feeling of this group going into the new year obviously you know two-time defending champs everyone's got their target on you but what's the motivation and the feeling in that locker room right now uh we're feeling good i think we've uh come to understand that um success uh, comes with hard work we know that it's not just going to come to us we have to work at it and every game uh, we're going to get uh, the other team's best so we have to stay on top of things and uh, never get complacent uh, two new faces make the active roster that everyone's going to have their eye on uh, and Ryan Keane and Mike Messner let's talk about both of those guys uh, and first with Ryan how impressed with you were you with him uh, in camp yeah I was super impressed with Ryan I got to play with him in uh, Brooklyn this past summer and uh, he was a great player for us there, and he's looked great so far. Uh, he obviously understands the offensive system that he's been he's been playing in it for years now, and he's just he's just a talented offensive player that I think is going to have a lot of success. I don't think people are going to understand how big Mike Messenger is until they actually stand next to him. Were you surprised at how big of a presence he was? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Mess the beast. Uh, he, he's he's such a big guy. He's he's so talented. He's he's he can play both ends of the floor and he can run the ball up. Uh, last, uh, last weekend in uh, Vancouver, he played amazing for us. He was all over the place, loose balls, hitting guys. So uh, he's going to be a force for us for sure. And then the, the third of your top draft picks, uh, Matt Hossick, didn't crack the active roster. He's going to be in the practice roster. What do you say to a guy like him who had a lot of hype coming into the draft and maybe fell a bit, but just to keep his confidence and spirit tie, knowing that he didn't crack the roster? Yeah, with Haas, uh, again, I played with him in Brooklyn this summer, and we played actually a lot together. And Haas yeah. is a, a tremendous talent. He's he's a great player. He, he gets so many loose balls, and he always seems to be in the right place. Um, I can see him getting a shot this, this year at some point. There's always injuries or, or anything can happen. But Haas is a great player. He, he kind of knows where, where to be all the time. And um, I think it's valuable having a guy like that ready to go at any, at any moment. Obviously, Christmas is coming up, so everyone's going to get the week off. But uh, once the new year comes around, how excited are you to be able to play some meaningful games? Yeah, it's going to be exciting to get uh, into the regular season and, and get the season going. Uh, we're excited to, uh, to kick the season off. It, it was a long wait. So uh, to, to get home and uh, play in front of our fans again, it was, it was amazing this past weekend. We had about 13000 for an mm. exhibition game. So uh, to get there for a regular season game after uh, this weekend, we're all uh, extra excited now. I really wanted to ask you about that crowd because you were a guy that was in Boston where the crowds were okay. You were in Edmonton where, where the crowds are okay. And now you go to Saskatoon where it's just the most amazing thing we've seen since really Colorado came into the league. How incredible is that to see how Saskatoon has taken to the NLL? Oh, it's incredible for us. Uh, every one of our players gets jacked up that extra little bit, knowing that the fans are behind you and it's going to be a full house every night. Um, knowing that you have the support there, it, you feel a little bit extra special and you, you give that extra little effort uh, because you know the fans are behind you and, and they'll be with you the entire way. Well, Rubes, it's going to be a, a fantastic year and I know the Rush are going to be excited to hit the floor. Uh, happy holidays, all the best. I'm sure we'll see you at a rink soon. All right, thanks a lot. Happy holidays. One in the books, just eight more to go. Rush defender Kyle Rubish kicking things off here on the Off the Crossbar podcast as we go team to team. Now, let's take a look a little bit closer at the Saskatchewan Rush team, the two-time defending champs. And 
The one thing that always stood out to me about Derek Keenan's teams are, and he stressed this to me when we talked to him a few weeks ago, is that they didn't want to bring in a lot of numbers so that they could make sure they hit the ground running right away. They didn't scrimmage in practices. They weren't focused on conditioning. You had to have all of that stuff done before you got to camp. And so they only had 28 guys in camp the whole time. So they only had to make a few cuts. And by doing that, they got their rookies up to speed right away. The new guys were able to learn the system that much quicker. And I just, I just feel it gives them that much of an advantage going in because you don't have all that build-up time to get to full speed. They're already at 85-90%. And when you look at this roster, there's not many changes top to bottom. There's only three new players on the entire active roster. Mike Messenger, Ryan Keenan, and Adam Jones. Now, Marty Dinsdale's been there before. He was on the practice roster. He is now on their active roster, but he's not new to the Saskatchewan rush. But think about that. The defending champs added three top-level players and just got better. I like the buildup of this team, and they still can add two more guys to the practice roster. Like, that's how much confidence Derek Keenan has in this group, that he's actually under the allotted number of 24. He's at 20-2. and two. He can still add two more players if he wanted. Your practice players are Matt Hossick and Matt McGrady. And you heard Rubish talking about how good of a player Matt Hossick is. Just imagine adding him into that back end, or Matt McGrady, who I still think... Uh, is going to eventually be a top-level player in this league. He is a diamond in the rough and just waiting for an opportunity. He is of the ilk of a Brett Mitski. He just needs to find a little bit of a mean streak and just get a little repetition, and he's going to be an everyday NLLer when the time comes. But here's the rush as they are. And you can get all the rosters uh, if you go to NLL.com. They're all up there. Um, but the forwards, Robert Church, Messenger, Keenan, Curtis Knight, Dan Taylor, Mark Matthews, Dinsdale, Ben McIntosh, and Adam Jones. In transition, you have John LaFontaine, Adrian Sorchetti, and Jeremy Thompson. On the back end, it's Nick Bielich, Chris Corbeil, Jeff Cornwall, Ryan Dilks, Brett Mitski, Kyle Rubish. And in between the pipes, it's Aaron Bold and Tyler Carlson. Messenger can take draws along with Jeremy Thompson, and that will allow Gunn, as they call him, to have a little less time having to be beat up all the time at the faceoff dot. They can give him some rest, allow him to work some, some special teams and, and work in that transition game, and having Messenger gives them a little bit of versatility. I absolutely love the makeup of this Saskatchewan Rush team, and they are going to be the team to beat. Moving on. Let's stay out west, and we'll go with the Rush's rivals, the Calgary Roughnecks, who they played Friday night in Saskatoon. The Roughnecks have been on the verge of winning their third NLL title in franchise history, and one guy who would love to help them get there is Curtis Dixon. I was able to catch up with Curtis Dixon earlier today, and he had just taken a break from playing with his niece, so I asked him if he was truly excited for Christmas. Absolutely, yeah. Back home with some family for uh, about 10 days here, so I'm looking forward to catching up and um, just, you know, getting to see everybody. Who's more excited, your nieces about Santa Claus or you about the home opener? Uh, You know what, that might be a toss-up. I don't know. <laughs> might have to ask them. 
it's it was a, a really good camp for you guys. You were one of the few teams that didn't bring a lot of guys in. You didn't have a lot of numbers because Kurt Milosky and his group wanted to keep numbers low so you guys could be a tight, cohesive unit for when that first game came. Uh, how was camp for you guys? Camp was good. Camp was really competitive. Yeah, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of bodies out there. We were bringing in, you know, 40-plus guys to, um, you know, make two teams and, and for our scrimmages and whatever else we had. Um, you know, obviously a few spares and guys sitting out, but for the most part, everyone was battling and, and competing for spots for, for the entire time. So it was uh, it was good to see, and, and there's a lot of good competition, and I'm excited, uh, you know, with the, with the lineup that we have. How impressed were you with Young holding the Tony in his first NLL camp? He's he's a great player. You know, I was I got a chance to play with him in the borough a couple summers ago. He played up for us in the in the Man Cup as well there, and um, you know he's a good lacrosse player. He's a he's a lefty, which is you know what we needed coming into this year, and um, you know he can shoot the ball with with the best of them. And uh, you know as as the year goes on, you know he's only going to get better. So um, having him and, and a guy like Lowen stepping in, who's obviously played in the league for a little while, and um, they're definitely upgrades to, to that left side, which is which is big for us. And you know our offense is a lot more well-rounded now. I know a lot of fans will be wondering uh, what your status is after you know sports surgery surgery last summer. Are you ready to go? And, and how's the body feeling? It's good. Yeah, it's good. I didn't I actually didn't have surgery. I've just it was a, it was a torn growing, so I've been oh, okay. just staying off it for um, for pretty much seems forever now. It's been yeah. probably six or seven months since I've played. But uh, no, I've been going pretty much full through. Through camp, I've just been kind of sitting out the games and, and kind of just going to ease myself into um, the last weekend. Last weekend of camp coming up on the 29th and 30th, I'll be going you know full bore then and, and uh, be ready to you know run into it on the 7th. Speaking of games, uh, you guys had an interesting one against Saskatchewan on Friday. Uh, from your perspective, um, was it just two teams that uh, really hate each other, or were, was there some things going on that probably might have led to that? Um, yeah, I mean, our games, you know, the, the games between us are never really chippy. Uh, they're, you know, they're not really a dirty team. I don't think we are either. It's just, you know, it just kind of emotions boil over and um, they're always physical games or rough games. But, um, like I said, I don't know if there's any cheap shots, at least intentionally anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just, you know, one of those things where things happen and emotions kind of get the best of you. And, you know, guys that have played and, and watched this sport for long enough know that, you know, those things, they happen from time to time, and um, you just got to kind of let the emotions out. And we know we're going to see these guys, you know, at least four more times this year. So um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's you're not going to, you know, risk getting a suspension or, or sitting out, you know, any uh, long periods of time. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not something that's going to carry over. It's, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. It's done with, and uh, moving on to the, you know, game one. Uh, I asked Brett Hickey this when we were talking about the Toronto defense. Uh, you go, go against the Calgary defense every week in and out at practice. How tough are they to play against? They're good, man. They're you know we've only gotten better from last year. Um, you know you look at guys like Tyson Bell, Kellen Leclerc. They've got a, a full year under their belt now, and um, they're playing a lot meaner and, and a lot more physical and uh, with a lot more confidence. So I think those are a couple guys, you know, along with a few other guys that are. Um, really going to surprise people, and, and that back end is going to really step up their game this year for sure. Uh, this has been a team that's often had two goaltenders, and many people didn't really think Christian Del Bianco would be put in this role right away. But uh, you have two of the best young goalies in the league. Uh, what have you liked about young CDB's game uh, since he's been with the Roughnecks? Yeah, he's you know what that's we saw him last year. He's and obviously he was only practice. He had a couple a quarter or so in, in the exhibition last year when we were in tryouts, but. 
Um, he's been lights out, and he's uh, he's a real deal. And, you know, and obviously you see him playing junior, and um, you know the skill set from junior doesn't always translate over into the NLL with the, the smaller sticks and the bigger nets. But he's just so fast, he's so quick, and um, he's you know he's he's a phenomenal athlete, and and he moves around there, and um, he's really going to push Frankie this year. But we know yeah. we know what Frankie's capable of, and and if he's uh, he's able to play consistently uh, at the level that he's he's capable of, then you know I think he's um, definitely going to be got a shot to be the you know the best goalie in this league. So um, we got two guys that are more than capable to, to step in there and, and stop shots. So we have all the confidence in the world with our goaltending going into the season. Uh, one last thing before we let you go. Um, you know, one of the big moves the Roughnecks made in the off season was uh, uh, letting Bruce Cod go back home to Ontario. But you guys bring in a, a guy you were familiar with, and Rob Williams. How has he adjusted uh, to the pro game and coaching in the NLL? He's great. You know, obviously I don't spend a, a whole lot of time with him. He's back in the DM, but um, like you said, he was he was in Maple Ridge for um, the five five or so years that I was there, and uh, he's a great guy. You know, he's he's a he's a player's coach, and, and the guys love him already. I knew they would. He's really easy to get along to, and um, really level headed. So he uh, you know kind of balances out mouse a little bit in that aspect. But um, <laughs> he's uh, no, he's he's great, and you know the guys are even yeah. It's, it's just been through training camp now, but um, you know they're gonna you know learn to love him even more. Like you said, I've I've been with him, I've known him for a while, so he's a he's a great guy on and off the floor, and he's he's definitely gonna help this team out. You guys open up the six at home against the Vancouver Stealth. Curtis, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, and all the best to the family, and have a great year. Thanks, Teddy. You too, buddy. I'm excited to see Rob Williams uh, work that defense with that Calgary Roughneck squad. I think it's just a, a different eye than Bruce Codd. Nothing against uh, the Desert Rap, but uh, I'm a huge Bruce Codd fan. But I think now having Rob Williams in there um, just kind of freshens things up. And there was no hard feelings when Brucey Codd left. He was given his full wishes to go out east by GM Mike Bort. He wanted to be back close to home. No big deal with that. And there was a no-brainer. And bringing Sato in, uh, he has a good relationship with Kurt Miloski. Uh He has a good relationship with a few of the guys on that Calgary Refneck squad already. Um, some as a guy who they played for and some as guys he's played against. So it's it's a kind of a different dynamic. It's something he's going to have to get used to. Um, he's going to have to coach Victoria Shamrocks and Burnaby Lakers and um, Six Nations Chiefs. That's just the way it works. Um, but for all accounts and everyone I've talked to, he's fit right in. And it's a, a great group that is ready to go. Um, it's not exactly the outcome they wanted but against Saskatchewan, but again, just an exhibition game. They were able to work some things out, test out people in different areas, and really take a look at how successful they're going to be. And I think they have to be pretty happy going into the opener uh, on the 6th when they take on the Vancouver Stealth. So let's look a little bit closer at this Calgary Roughneck squad. Uh, we'll just go through the roster right away. They, too, are under the allotted number. They only have 23 on the roster. So you can add one more player to the practice players roster, which includes Keegan Rittiger, Bob Snyder, and Garrett McIntosh. Their forwards, Westberg, Rookie Holden, Katoni, Curtis Dixon, Tyler Digby, Dane Doby, Riley Lowen, who comes over from Saskatchewan, and Jeff Shatler. On defense, Dan McRae, Tyler Burton, Greg Harnett, Scott and Mike Carnegie, Chad Cummings, John Harnett, Kellen LeClaire, Tyson Bell, Carson Leung, and Curtis Manning. So only Chad Cummings is new to that back end, and Holden Gatoni and Riley Lowen are the two new faces up the front end. And then in goal, you have Christian Del Bianco, the 19-year-old phenom, 
and Frankie Shiliano, who has been in the league for five years, but is still under 25 years old. This is a team that continues to show that it is built for success. Now they just need to find it. They were close last year. They were close two years ago. They've been knocking on that door. And many think that this could be the year they do it. Now the big question is, and I know there's a lot of people questioning this, is do they let Frankie Shiliano run this team? He's waited his turn. Or do they go to the kid that many people feel is the best young goalie to ever enter the National Lacrosse League in a long, long, long time? Folks, if you haven't seen Christian Del Bianco play, first of all, I'm sorry you missed the Minto Cup from this summer. Second of all, go watch the final game of the Minto Cup this year. And third of all, make sure you see Christian Del Bianco play because he is the real deal. Now, I don't know which direction they're going to go. Either way, I think they're really happy with the guys they have between the pipes. Frankie showed last year that he can carry a team all the way to a man cup. Christian Del Bianco proved that he can carry a team all the way to a Minto Cup and win it. I think they'll go with Frankie, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went with Del Bianco. Now, if they do that, I don't... I would honestly believe that if if Christian Del Bianco got the nod, it wouldn't sit good with Frankie. That's my personal opinion. Frankie has waited his time to be a number one. I think he deserves the chance to be the number one. But how long do you let Christian Del Bianco sit there? Because he is your future. Which is crazy to say, because like I said, Frankie's not even 25. And the way this team is going, they're both going to be there for a while. So you have to find a way to keep both guys happy. And Kurt Miloski has been able to show that he's been able to do that. He had Pooley and, and Frankie last year and the year before that. So they're, you know, it's not foreign to this group. So we'll just have to wait and see because Christian Del Bianco was phenomenal in the preseason and that exhibition game. Um, Toronto is one of the very few teams that doesn't list um, a single transition player. Uh, they just went sevens, forwards, 11 D guys. So it will be interesting to see which they which way they go on game days. But I think with the makeup of, of this group, that you will most likely see them run seven forwards. I could be wrong, but I think it's good to have an extra body or two out the front door. Shatler can play both ways. Katoni can play both ways. Lowen is okay in his back end as well. Chad Cummings is a a young guy that really impressed me when I saw him in Vancouver a few weeks back. Other than him, that whole defense is exactly the same. And when you can have a defensive group stay together like that, it can only mean good things. Now, the one thing I've always said about Calgary, they need to stay disciplined and they got to stay out of the box. If they can do that, 
and play five on five, and then when they get the opportunities on the power play, take advantage and not give up too many opportunities the other way. This is a team that can contend for the Champions Cup no matter who they dress and whichever number combination they make. Moving on. The Colorado Mammoth finished second in the West last year, but were upset by the Calgary Roughnecks when Dane Dovey scored an overtime to put a nail in their coffin and break the hearts of a lot of Mammoth fans, which really, and who really felt that this was the year that their club was going to go and get past that first round. It's something they haven't done in quite some time. Cam Holding has been on a number of those teams that hasn't been able to get out of the first round. He joined me earlier today, and I asked him what made him so confident that this was going to be the group that got over that hump. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're really confident. We've made a couple... uh... A couple changes, not only in our personnel, but kind of in the style of how we're going to do things. Um, the last five years that I've been on this team, we've been out first round of playoffs, and uh, we definitely think that this is the year that that's going to come to an end and we're going to push uh, push the limit. So we're looking forward to get going. Who surprised you in camp uh, coming in? Yeah, uh, Rue was, uh, was a great player, real tough, gritty, uh, can grind, can shoot. Great player. Um, didn't know a whole lot about him before camp. Um, and then Taylor Stewart, uh, mm-hmm. I think he was one of our later draft picks, but he's a young kid, very driven, um, very fundamental, uh, good guy on and off the floor, but very, very talented on the floor. So we're really excited to add him to the mix on our defensive end. What does it say about the depth of this team that Zach Haywire's, uh, your top first round pick, you know, wasn't able to crack that left side of the offense? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough, man. Um, you know, with only nine teams in this league, there's just so many talented players, um, and we're very fortunate to have a whole bunch of them. Uh, our left side, I mean, you got Junior, Eli, Zach Greer, Chris Wardle. Um, those are four top players in this league. So, uh, you know, Haywires will get his shot. When he does, he's just got to make it count. But uh, I think he's doing all the right things right now. So, You, you talk about Taylor Stewart coming in, and, and he had a really good camp. How quickly do you think he adjusted to Pat Coyle's high-pressure system? Immediately, man, he's got a, like I said, he's got a great work ethic and he's a sponge. So um, Patty and, uh, you know, myself and some of the other guys, we talked to him before and after practice on the floor, um, just soaks it up. He's willing to learn and um, coming in as, as a younger player, you know, you've got to be able to willing, you've got to be willing to learn and able to adapt. And he did just that. Uh, obviously having Dylan Ward between the pipes is a huge boost for your defense. How much confidence does it give in you guys knowing that he's at the top of his game? It's, he's just so reliable. You know, we can count on him to make saves. Um, some of the times you don't think he's going to make saves, and he does. Uh, he's a great goal. He's proven himself time and time again. Um, and, and it really allows us to play, uh, you know, the style of defense we want. We can force people to shoot from certain areas of the floor um, and expect Wardo to make those saves. Um, so we're really, really thankful to have him between the pipes for us. Uh, you guys are lucky enough to, to be one of the teams that start in that first weekend right after Christmas. How excited are you guys to get going in Buffalo? We're hungry. Man, since we lost last year to Calgary in overtime, we, uh, you know, I know I can speak on behalf of everybody on our team that they were looking forward to getting the season going. Um, we put four weeks of tough training camp in. Um, it's all behind us now, and we're just focused on Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is your first game, but how excited are you to be back in front of the Pepsi Center and the loudest fans in the league? 
Yeah, Pepsi Center is a, is a one-of-a-kind place to play, and uh, our fans are, are top-notch, so we're excited to get back in front of them and give them a good game again. So I think we're playing Vancouver there first uh, on January 7th. Cam, always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, happy holidays. Enjoy the week, and uh, good luck in Buffalo. Thank you very much. You too. There's Cam Holding of the Colorado Mammoth. Uh, we talked about you know some surprises that might be out there, and we're going to get to this one, but Zach Haywires. Uh, is a surprise on many people's list. Uh, the Mammoth did all they could to get into that first round, so they could have a first-round draft pick, and they drafted Zach Haywires. And talking with Steve Govett and talking with Chris Gill and Dan Stroop and some of the other guys on that Mammoth club, you know, they're really excited about what Zach Haywires can do. The kid can shoot the lights out. Um, he has an incredible stick. They're just not sure if he's quite ready um, to make that step up. They're going to keep him on the practice roster for right now. Uh, he's behind a, a lot of bodies, as you heard uh, Cam Holding say. He's behind Zach, or he's behind John Grant Jr. and Eli McLaughlin and Chris Wardle. And I'm often, you know, you've often heard me say on this show, you got to find a way to use guys' strengths. Well, Zach Haywire's his strength is out the front door. He's not a guy that you're going to run in transition. Um, he's not, you know, a guy like Dane Smith when he first came in the league, uh, where you could, you know, use his athletic ability out the back door and let him run the floor. Zach Haywires is a front door guy, and he's just going to take a little bit of time to mold into the NLL style uh, that the Colorado Mammoth wanted to be. That's not a bad thing. Um, it allows him to see the game, um, you know, from a higher level, a different perspective. Um, it's going to, you know, it, he's going to hate. It's going to suck. He's going to hate it having to sit and watch. But he's going to get his time. And he has to just, you know, one reoccurring thing you're going to hear from a lot of people, um, and we talked about it um, last week uh, when I talked to some of the guys, you know, the message that they give to these young rookies. And the reoccurring theme is be a sponge. Soak up every piece of information you can get. Ask questions. Talk to the veterans, talk to your coaches, talk to anybody you can to understand what it's going to take for you to not only, you know, be a full-time guy, but to stay a full-time guy and to be a proper professional. And there are a lot of guys that still need to figure that out. And by being on the practice roster, it's going to sting, but it's going to allow Zach to, you know, stay within the organization continue to be a national lacrosse league player, and learn from some of the best in the game. And there's no doubt in my mind that he will become an NLL full-timer very soon. He's just going to have to wait. And he can look no further than the guy on the other side of the floor in Jacob Rue, who had um, one of the best camps that Colorado Mammoth GM Steve Govett had seen. And Jacob Rue came in ready to compete, and he was phenomenal from the jump, and he earned that spot. And the guys have been just raving about what he and Taylor Stewart have brought to this club. And two guys that maybe a lot of people didn't think were even going to have a chance to make this club, but came in, earned it, and are the two newest faces of that group. Out of the front door forwards are Callum Crawford, Rue, John Grant, Jeremy Noble, Eli McLaughlin, Zach Greer, and Chris Wardle. Four lefts, three rights. On the back end, uh, a group that is pretty much the same as we saw last year. Greg Downing, Taylor Stewart, Ilya Geich, Robert Hope, Cam Holding, Jordan Gillies, Dan Coates, Creighton Reed, Joey Capito, Josh Sullivan, 
and Bryce Sweeting, a very physical, a very athletic and speedy defensive unit that will have the green light to push the floor and play a very high-tempo defensive system led by D-coach Pat Coyle. In goal, Alex Bouquet and Dylan Ward, no real surprises there. Practice players Brent Adams, Nick Ocello, and as I mentioned, Zach Haywires. Nick Ocello, a great guy, a great story coming out of camp. Um, he played four years of college at Notre Dame, had an extra year, decided to walk on to their football team, made it as a special teams guy. And he's an American that has just soaked up the indoor game. And he may never get a chance this year. He may if there's some injuries along the way. Um, but he's a guy that can be molded into a great U.S. product. Um, he could become, you know, a Chris O'Doherty type guy, just a gritty stay-at-home D guy. But he could also be like, um, I don't want to go J.J. Bear. I don't think he's that athletic. But even like a Jamie Hanford type guy, just a real rugged D guy that can just, you know, do all the little things, ground balls, face-offs, be a real team guy. Nick Ocello is a great character, and I think a lot of people are going to be really excited about his game if he ever gets the chance. So the Colorado Mammoth are a team that didn't make a lot of changes, and that's another reoccurring theme with some of these teams. When you don't bring in a lot of guys, there's not a lot of comp- There is competition, but the competition is for high-level spots, and this is a team that didn't make many changes at all. Now, some may say, well, this is a team that struggled the past few years to get over that hump, are adding Rue and Stewart enough? We'll have to wait and see. But when you look at the roster of the Roughnecks and the Mammoth, I think they match out quite well. And if I have faith in the Roughnecks squad to challenge for a Champions Cup, then I have to have faith that the Mammoth can do it as well. Just one more team left in the NLL Western Division, and that is the Vancouver Stealth, a team that, that had... 60-odd players try out for them at some point or another during this preseason. And this is a crazy-looking roster when you look at it. If you just focus on the IR, you will see the amount of talent that's not even on the active roster. On the Vancouver Stealth injured reserve, Garrett Billings, Corey Conway, James Ray, and Jarrett Toll. Then you look at their practice roster of Brandon Clellan, Justin Goodwin, Evan Messenger, and Eric Penny, who is the stealth number one going into last year. Penny lost his starter job to Tyler Richards late in the year. They bring in Ty Belanger. He knocks off Penny and Hagedorn for the number two spot. And now a lot of people are really happy with the one-two situation in Vancouver. Defensively, Vancouver will dress 11D tranny guys, Matt Beers, Travis Cornwall, Brendan Fowler, Ian Hawksby, Curtis Hodgson, Thomas Hogarth, John Lynch, Peter McFetridge, Chris O'Doherty, Justin Salt, and Ryan Wagner. Brendan Fowler is the new face of that back end along with John Lynch who came over in a trade. But Fowler is an American draw guy that was in the Colorado Mammoth camp the first week. They let him go. Locker scooped him up right away. And the American face-off specialist from Duke really impressed. Enough so that he cracked the opening day roster for the Vancouver Stealth. Out of the front door, you have Keegan Ball, Reese Dutch, Jordan Durston, Corey Small, Joel McCready, Thomas McKee, and Logan Schuss. Keegan Ball was a late-season in-and-out guy for the Vancouver Stealth last year. 
um, but can give them some quality minutes. He's a big, tall, lanky righty forward, very much like James Ray. And I have a feeling that once James Ray gets healthy, he was a little knocked up at the end of camp, that he will probably be taking Keegan Ball's spot. But the bigger question is, what happens when Garrett Billings and Corey Conway get healthy? Most likely Tommy McKee will come out. But then you still have Dutch and McCready, who you're never taking out those two. And then you have to decide between Billings, Conway, and Ray what you're going to do. Because you're not going to take out Corey Small, and you're not going to take out Logan Schuss on the other side. You have to have another lefty, so it's probably going to be Jordan Durston. So there's your three lefties, plus Dutch and McCready. So you're already at five, and you have three guys that you got to try to find spots for. It's not an enviable, enviable position for head coach Jamie Badley or GM Doug Locker. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do because once they come off the IR, they have to make a decision. Do they release them? Do they put them on the practice roster? Do they put them on the active roster? And if they do that, then who do they move from the active roster to the practice roster? And who do they drop from the practice roster? It's a whirlwind decision that is going to plague Doug Locker when the time comes. Because it's not going to be an easy one. One decision that is not a tough one is putting Reese Dutch out on the floor as often as possible. The Victorian native was gracious enough to give us some time earlier today. And I asked him, after three years of finishing last in the NLL West, is this the Vancouver Stealth team that finally makes it to the postseason? You know what? I think uh, things needed to change. And I think right from the bottom up, things did. It was uh, probably the most intense camp I've ever been at. Pace of it, the tempo, um, you know, guys guys working their butts off just to get a spot on a roster that wasn't, you know, set from number one to number 20. So I think uh, it was highly competitive. And, and, I mean, it really did set the tone for a different year. Obviously, this is a, a really big step up for you guys because it's the first full year you've had under Jamie Batten. And he said right from the start of camp, this is going to be a team that's going to be in shape. They're going to run fast and they're going to pressure. Is that the mindset that everyone's going into the camp with, that we have to be ready from jump? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing we did was run a beep test, and then you know, and then the last thing we did on the on the first weekend was run another beep test. And uh, you know, the, <laughs> it's all the numbers, right? I mean, they're keeping yeah. track of everything. They're they're made, they're holding guys accountable on and off the floor during the week. Um, you know, they've they've already got us watching film. They've got we've got conference calls going. It's uh, it's a very business like atmosphere, and I think um, you know it needs to be because it's not acceptable for this team to be kind of bottom feeders again this year. Jim Milligan has taken over your offense when he came over with Batley. How has he made the adjustment, and how have you guys adjusted to him? Um, you know, he's just – I love him. I, I just I like the way he approaches the game. I like the way he thinks the game. I think we connect on a level that way. Um, I, I think that it, it, it's very – it's easy to see why he's had success at the coaching level and, as a play, and at a playing level, for that matter, mm-hmm. um, in just the way he designs his drills. And I know, obviously, all the coaches have a say in them, but um, – just the way he runs the practice, I think the guy, it's really easy to buy in with a guy like that. I mean, you can get along with him, but he's never going to be just your buddy. He's an authority figure, and, and, yeah. and that kind of demands that respect. And I think uh, I think it's going to really, really help this offense, you know, from the veteran guys that have maybe had a few coaches to the newer guys that have only had him. 
um, it's really going to be it's really going to be a positive thing. Uh, let's focus on that offense. Obviously, the three mainstays uh, of yourself, Corey Small and Logan Schuster, are going to be there. Uh, Joel McCready has to be one of the heart and soul guys of the league. You four um, are going to have a bit of a workload until some of your bodies get fresh. But uh, what do you like about your offense this year? Um, well, like you said, I like how there's a, like a core group of guys that have worked together for a few years now um, had to, had, and had success. I mean, we, we've been putting the ball putting the ball in the net. Um, I, I also like some of the guys stepping in. Keegan Ball. I mean, you know, he had uh, he got got in the lineup a few times last year, but he's playing with kind of a veteran confidence this year. He's, mm-hmm. he's still got the same skill, but uh, you know, he's he's coming in with a little bit of a bit of a swagger, and I think he's going to have some success that way. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited. Jordan Durston, same thing. I mean, he had a great year last year as a rookie, but he's only come in even better this year. I think I think we've just got a great group of guys, whether it's, you know, the core four that you just mentioned. But I think, honestly, everybody that's going to be out there is going to find success. How scary is this group going to be once you guys are fully healthy, though? Because there's three righties, Conway, Billings, and Ray, that aren't even healthy yet. Like, that has to be just incredibly weird to think of that you could put in a whole nother shift of righties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess death is a, is a good problem to have, right? I mean, all those guys are proven, proven goal scorers, proven competitors. I mean, Ray being the youngest, but he, uh, you know, until he hurt himself a bit in camp, he, he was having a heck of a camp. We were getting to know each other and I really enjoyed working with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I mean, Billings is Billings his career speaks for himself. And then Corey uh, Conway and I have had, you know, years of experience working together. So, I mean, I'm comfortable with any of those, any and all of those guys stepping into the lineup. And I think, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with when they get healthy, just like you said. Uh, on the back end, you have a very veteran defense with some young legs. Uh, how important is it that Tyler Richards is healthy for you guys in that, though? Well, I mean, and how, how important is any starting goaltender? I think, um, you know, Belanger came in, had a good camp. He earned that number two spot. Uh, but T. Rich, yeah, I mean, when he's in, when he's, healthy and when he's in the right mind he's one of the best goalies in the world and I fully believe that he can be that way again um, so I'm looking forward to the way he's going to play uh, you guys don't play that first weekend so you get to watch the new look NLL to start but are you excited for uh, that first weekend when you guys are on the floor it's, it's going to be a tough weekend when you go double double on the road yeah back-to-back home openers on the for the opposing team um, I think I mean, it's always exciting. The good thing is, is that the first game of the year, you're always going to have that excitement. And not that you're not excited for every game, but, you know, training camp, we've got a new look group, we've had a new atmosphere, new coaching staff, and I think that there's just so much excitement swirling around with this team that, yeah, we're going to be on the road, but I don't know if it's going to be too big of a disadvantage because we're going to be so fired up to get out there. If things start to go sour early um, and downhill, what's going to be the rallying cry for this group to get everybody back on page and, and know that, you know, it's kind of desperation mode for this franchise having not made the playoffs three straight years. Um, I think it's I. I mean, obviously, I can't foresee that happening. But if it did, I think it's gonna. It's just gonna be really important for us not to panic. And in, in all yeah. honesty, I think we got to stick to the system. I mean, you know, we got to trust what's trust what's going on out there, and then kind of adjust where we need to. I don't think it's going to be a holistic kind of holy smokes, we need a whole new team, you know, maybe there'll be one or two issues that we're going to be able to work out, but it's really going to be really important for the leadership, you know, not just the coaches, but the leaders on the team to make sure that everybody stays bought in while we make the minor adjustments if we need to. Well, you are one of those leaders, and you lead both on and off the floor. Dutchie, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. All the best, happy holidays, and uh, have an incredible 2017, my friend. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. I think that is an incredibly important point made by Reese Dutch, is that if things don't go 
as smoothly as they want to start the year. They can't start pointing fingers. They can't start laying the blame on other people in that locker room. They have to stay together as one tight ship because if people start jumping overboard, then that's when things really start to go downhill. This is a Vancouver Stealth Club that needs a winning product. But much like we saw last year, and this was a dialogue that I heard, is that a lot of that pressure to win infiltrated into the locker room, which put added pressure on the players. And that didn't sit well with the guys in that group. So if the focus can be in that locker room and not about fans and not about merchandise and not about all the other stuff that's going around, if their sole focus can be on the floor, then this is a team that can definitely push for a playoff spot. I still don't think this is a club that's ready to be a championship contender. I still think they have some areas where they can improve, and I just don't know how they're going to manage that right side once everybody's healthy. So we'll have to wait and see. But the Vancouver Stealth have a very interesting start to their season where they have to go to Calgary and then to Colorado on the same weekend, in the first weekend of January. And Doug Locker said he'd rather get that out of the way now than to have it later on in the year. And so maybe that's a good thing. Get the team away from the rink, get them bonding on the road, get two huge divisional road wins, get to 2-0, and and it'll be the perfect start for the Vancouver Stealth and their fan club. So that's the National Lacrosse League West. Let's head east and look at the NLL East, and we'll start with the defending East champion, the Buffalo Bandits, who continue to be the big bad beasts of the East, but they're not going to have a cakewalk to the Champions Cup. It's never a cakewalk to the Champions Cup, but this is a team that continues to build and continues to try to get better. And one of the guys that's sort of been a part of this new regime and a guy that has continually gotten better is David Brock. He's been sort of underrated over the past few years, as he's kind of honed his skills to the NLL level of play. He's had some experience and some success in the summer ball with the Six Nations Chiefs, and that has only helped his confidence. He's become one of their mainstays, and he's become one of the best defenders in the National Lacrosse League. And I caught up with David earlier today, and I asked him how excited he was to finally be able to beat up on somebody that wasn't his own teammate. Definitely excited. I can't believe it's only... You know, 10, I think it's 10 days away. We are, we're excited. It's been a long, you know, training camp in this league. It lasts a long time. So uh, we're excited to, you know, put, uh, get out there against uh, some real competition with a real, you know, a real, you know, 18, you know, 20 or 24 man roster or whatever it is. Uh, so we're excited. How was camp for you guys? Obviously, Troy's always run a, a pretty up tempo camp, but uh, what was his, you know, stressful, stressed message this year going into the season? Uh, it, we had a good camp, you know, very competitive. We had, I think, 38 or 40 guys, and yeah. uh, everyone, everyone that we that was here can can play in this league without a doubt in my mind. Um, as far as what Troy was stressing, you know, a couple of things, of course, you know, staying hungry. We got, you know, Champions Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't obviously didn't didn't win the thing, but uh, staying hungry and always keeping that in the back of our minds, and uh, but also at the same time not getting complacent we're going to have to you know we're going to have to 
we're going to have to work to get back to where we are. We can't just show up and expect to win every night. Um, you know, when I talk, when I speak with the guys in Colorado, they they try to forget about that overtime loss to to Calgary in the semis. How long has the the loss to Saskatchewan sat with you guys? Well, I think that's something that you'll, you know, you you, you remember something like that forever. And uh, you know, we're not really stressing on it because it is in the past. We are looking mm-hmm. forward. Um, but of course, again, we're going to try to use it as as fuel to the fire this year. We think. You know, we're a couple. We're only two goals away, three goals away last year, and uh, returning a very similar group to, to what we mm-hmm. had last year. So, um, you know, but again, it's it's in the past, we're, and we're looking forward. I think every year since Troy's been here, we've built. We, our wins have increased every year, so we're hoping that this. Uh, you know, we're fairly confident that this year. Um, you know, if we can continue that, um, continue going in the right direction here, this is going to be the year. Yeah, how important is it that there wasn't much turnover for you guys this year? I think that's fairly important. Um, you know, we had a really good thing last year. One of the things I think one of the strengths of our team is, is our locker room, and we're such a tight, tight-knit tight group, and we're, we're all, uh, you know, very, very close. And um, So to bring back the same groups is really important to us. Uh, you know, and, of course, we had, you know, we lost a couple of key, key players, uh, Chad and, and Jay, mm-hmm. who you can't replace. You really can't replace two guys like that, what they did on and off the floor. But, you know, we brought in uh, Brad and, and Craig and um, – they're you know good locker room guys obviously great players um so a similar group to last year and um you know it's a pretty tight locker room so that's what i think is important i i like the addition of brad because it allows your good buddy mitch jones to move up to the front door but uh what do you like about brad's game and how are they actually kind of similar uh i well obviously brad reigning transition player of the year one of the deadliest guys in, in transition and mm. you know that fits right in uh right in our style of play um so that well, ha- happy to have him maybe it'll mean it'll take some of the you know uh, i'll be able to sit at home a little bit more and uh, so i'm looking forward to that uh but of course <laughs> we uh we had we had you know uh i don't know how many goals he had but you know eight eight or ten goals and we had uh, our all of our, you know, we had some pretty successful players in transition last year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're we're excited to have him and uh, his defense is, uh, you know, he's a strong defender as well. So, it's uh, it's definitely not uh, definitely not a bad thing adding adding Brad into the mix here. And you talk about that defense. A lot of it stems off the play of cause and net. Um, you know, he, he's getting on in age, but he's still at the top of his game. How important is that putting that confidence in him uh, from that defense? Well, we need cause to be we need cause to be sharp as he always has been. Um, you know, obviously he's not getting any younger, but I, I still believe, and I, I know as a team we believe he's still one of the you know the, the upper echelon of goalies in the league. And, um, you know, and, and he's a part of the defense, so we need to we all need to work together as a cohesive unit. And um, if there's a breakdown, we got we got to be able to rely on cause to to be the you know to be there to make a big save and. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, cause, cause, um, he may, you know, not, not be seeing the ball some nights and, and that's where we're defensively, we're going to have to step up our game and, and limit, uh, limit scoring chances and, and limit, uh, you know, limit, uh, you know, guys scoring chances and, and cut the angles down. So cause can see the ball. It is exactly 10 days away. Are you excited for a home opener or for opening Christmas presents? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm I, now that I live in Buffalo, you wouldn't even think it was Christmas in the neighborhood <laughs> I live in. So I haven't even thought a little bit about it. I I haven't done any shopping. I am looking forward to seeing my family and uh, 
my mother puts on a huge uh, huge spread on on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And then of course, uh, you know, so first and foremost, spending some time with my family, uh, and then I'm uh, afterwards uh, really excited about uh, getting this season underway and, and picking up where we left off. Rockies are always one of my favorites. Pleasure catching up with you, buddy. Uh, enjoy Christmas with the fam. Happy holidays and have a great 2017, buddy. Great. Thanks, Teddy. Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon. Family and lacrosse. In the lacrosse world, they can be synonymous because your lacrosse family will eventually become your family. And David Brock and, and some of those guys who have really, you know, been accepted by the Buffalo family have really embraced that city and they do an incredible job out in the community with the school programs and just being out there helping around Christmas time. Benny's been Santa like a couple of years in a row and he just looks great in a Santa costume. But this is a Buffalo Bandit squad that, you know, it really burns inside of them what happened last year. And they are ready to get back at it. And when you look at this club, the way that Steve Diedrich has built this group, there's not many changes. The biggest change that I can see in this group is actually a benefit for them because when they acquired Brad Self, it allowed them to move Mitch Jones up to the front end of the floor. And it's very similar to what they've done with Dane Smith. Now, I'm not sure Mitch Jones is going to go out and score 130 points, but Mitch Jones can be a you know 30-30 guy, I think. Easily, if he plays minutes in that offense, which he's going to be doing along with Banesh and Veltman on that lefty side, that's a good group. And when you look at this group, I just mentioned those three guys out the front door. But you also have Anthony Malcolm, Craig Point, Dane Smith, and Mark Stainhouse. That's a potent offense that loves to move the ball and has no issues putting up 14-15 a night. And with Mitch Jones playing regular minutes, it allows their transition game to breathe new life with Brad Self. Plus, you have Kevin Brownell, Alex Keto Hill, and Mitch Wild. And then on the back end, guys that will just constantly beat you down. And it's one of the reasons Buffalo is so successful. And that is because these guys just love to hit people. Matthew Bennett, David Brock, Mitch DeSnew, Steve Priolo, Billy D. Smith, Andrew Watt, and Nick Weiss. It was one of the things that I always hated about playing against Buffalo is that every shift was the hardest shift you ever played because those guys just wouldn't let you have an easy shift. And it's the way that it is now. Those guys are big bodies, and it's hard to get through those trees sometimes. And when you do, you still got to go against Anthony Cosmo, who, you know, despite being the oldest goalie in the NLL, is still a top five goalie in the NLL. So this is a team that made just a couple of changes on the active roster. I think the addition of Craig Point is nice. Um, uh, an outside righty with a laser shot uh, can do the little things inside. He fell out of favor um, in Roch. It's not fell out of favor, but he just got caught up in the number games in Roch. So he came over, as did Brad Self. Uh, and those are really the two changes that they made. The practice roster includes Blaze Riordan, Justin Martin, Tim Edwards, Kevin Orleman, who's their third goaltender. And on the IR, you have Bryce Brochu, Craig England, and Adam Will. The makeup of this team just screams championship. 
and they were that close last year. And they are chomping at the bit to get at it this year and kick 2017 off with a win as they'll host the Colorado Mammoth on Friday the 30th. And then it's New Year's, folks. And with New Year's come champagne and celebrations and then six more months of National League Lacrosse. A team that many people think are ready to take the next jump to be powerhouses in the East was very close to being the best team in the East last year. And they are the New England Black Wolves. And not a lot of people, how do I say this? While people expected Glenn Clark and company to have success with the group, I don't think people expected them to have that much success and lead the Wolves to the East Final. Sure, it helped that Evan Kirk stood on his head and had a goaltender of the year type year. But what... Glenn Clark and Jim Veltman and Tracy Kluski did with that group of guys was nothing short of magnificent. But this year they've made a lot of changes. They've gotten away from kind of what worked for them. However, the group that they have is a group that they believe in. Out the front gate, you have Riley O'Connor, who comes over from Calgary, Seth Oaks, who is one of their top-round draft picks, Pat Saunders, Sean Evans, Chad Culp, who comes over from Buffalo, Kevin Crowley, Brett Bucktooth, Kevin Buchanan, and Kyle Buchanan. Now, the guys that played last year, Saunders, Crowley, Buchanan, Buchanan, and Bucktooth, all had career years, mostly because Sean Evans was there doing the dishing and the dancing. But now... You add a young lefty in Riley O'Connor. You add Seth Oaks, who people are raving about. And then you add the grittiness of Culpamania. And this is going to be an interesting offensive group. Nine forwards. Nine forwards for the New England Black Wolves. And they have more guys even in the depth of the practice roster. Connor Brown was the guy that has already been on three teams. And he has yet to play a National Cross League game yet. He was Vancouver's property. They released him after camp. Buffalo picked him up. He played quite well in the exhibition game, but didn't make the roster, so they cut him. So New England signed him and put him on the practice roster. Joel Coyle was another draftee of the Black Wolves. He didn't make it. He's on the practice roster. And Mitch McMichael came over the Belanger deal that from Vancouver, and he's on the practice roster, and he battled out with Jay Thornberry for the faceoff position. And this is a team that's ready to make that jump. In transition, you have Ryan Hodling, Sheldon Burns, and Thornber, as I mentioned. On defense, Bill O'Brien, Scott Self, Matt Spanger, Derek Suttons, Brett Manny, and Zach Reed. And then in goal, Evan Kirk and first, or sorry, and draft pick Doug Jamison. So this is like it's crazy. And I keep saying it over and over and over again when you look at these teams. And just the depth that's out there and the talent that's on some of these rosters, and the talent that's not making some of these rosters just continues to boggle my mind and makes me look forward to expansion all that much more. Zach Reed was an original draft pick by the Rochester Nighthawks. We have something in common. We both went to Mercier's. We both wore 19. We were both drafted by Rochester. And then we went off onto other great things. So it's always great to catch up with Zach, and I was able to chat with him earlier today. And I asked him, after losing to Buffalo 
in the East final. What's the attitude of this group going into their season opener? Yeah, you know, camp was uh, a very competitive uh, couple of weeks for us. We brought in a lot of talent between the draft and, and free agents and returning players. So I think our management and coaches did a very good job of, of making it a competitive camp. And, um, you know, now that the roster's trimmed down and, and we're kind of where we're going to be for the for the season, I think we're excited to get going um, on the 7th against Rochester. What's the big difference between uh, last year's team and this year's? You know what? There isn't. I wouldn't say there's a ton of difference. Uh, I think two of our biggest additions have been Jay Thornbert and Chad Culp. Um, like I said, management was able to bring in some nice free agents like those guys, um, and they, they were difficult to play against. You know, they, we took yeah. them from a from an East East Division rival. So uh, I know a lot of us are glad to have Jay and Chad, uh, you know, putting on a Black Wolves jersey this year, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what they can do. It's got to help having the the veteran and, and savvy vet in Scott Self on the roster as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I played with Selfer in Rochester my rookie year, and uh, you know he's great. He's been in the league for for a ton of years now, and he's got a, a ton of experience between you know championships and in the summer league and in the winter league. So we're very happy to have him on board, and uh, like I said, looking forward to seeing how he can help our team as well. Obviously, last year Evan Kirk winning goaltender of the year nominee, and you know he was a guy that kind of came out of the woodwork as a guy who bided his time as a backup and really shone as a starter with the Black Wolves. How nice is it to see a guy like that get his due? And what kind of confidence does that give you guys as a defense? Yeah, you know, Evie's, are, uh, Evie's really the quarterback of our defense. and um, Sorry, I mean Kirky. <laughs> Kirky's the quarterback of our defense, and uh, he, he's been huge for us. Um, he's a true pro. You know, he shows up to the rink every weekend and, and is ready to go. And, um, you know, he's a big vocal leader back there for us, and it's nice knowing that. Um, he's going to be able to make some stops that not a lot of goalies can make. So, uh, yeah, he's been great for our team and, and great for our defense especially. And, uh, you know what, I think he's going to have another great year for us. You were kind of reading my mind. I was going to go to Evie next. And when a guy's <laughs> name's Evan and you have a guy nicknamed Evie, it's kind of easy to get them mixed up. But everyone knows what Sean Evans can do. And, and everyone saw the body of work that he did to help everybody on that offensive end get better. But what does he do inside that locker room that makes the whole team better? You know what? He's, he's really the heart and soul of our team and uh, a true competitor like, like, uh, like Kirky there. He shows up, you know, every weekend ready to go. And I think, you know, his, his reputation in the league and what he's been able to do as a, as a lacrosse player speaks for itself. Um, And, you know, seeing a guy that's won that many championships still, uh, still continue to show up to the rink and, and be hungry. I think that's motivating, especially for, for younger guys like myself that have yet to win a championship and, and see as much success as he's had in the league. Uh, for some of the rookies that are coming in with your group, Seth Oaks being one of them, what are some of the, the tips that you've given them as a young guy in this league to help them get acclimatized to the program? Yeah, we're we're excited to have Seth on board. Uh, I played with him this uh, this summer at the Lax All Star Turn in Syracuse, and uh, got to know him pretty well through that. And uh, you know, a rookie coming into the league, really, you just need to be a sponge. Uh, I wasn't a rookie too long ago myself, so the biggest tip I, I passed along to Seth there was, you know, soak up as much information from from guys as you can, and and be a sponge because we have a ton of ton of leadership and a and a ton of uh, great coaches on our staff that that know a ton about the game. So. Um, like I said, be a sponge, and I think uh, Seth's going to have a, a very good year for us. As an Ontario boy, what's it like to play for guys that you probably watched and idolized growing up in, in Veltz and TK and, and Glenn Clark? Yeah, it, it's great. Um, I actually had bandit season tickets when I was a kid. So, uh, 
saw saw a lot of those guys, um, you know, playing against the Bandits, um, and it's really it's been an incredible experience, uh, especially learning on the defensive end from from Jimmy V, who's arguably one of the all-time greats in, in terms of a defender. Um, and then, yeah, uh, TK, another guy who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, a uh, great leader during his time. So uh, between those two and, and Clark, you running the show, I think uh, we're, in, we're definitely in good hands. January 7th, you guys open up against the Rochester Nighthawks. How is it going to feel to not have to beat up on your teammates and to go chop a few guys in teal? It's going to be nice. Um, we're definitely getting tired of, of whacking each other. Uh, I think we've got a couple more practices still. So uh, we'll be going hard the next couple weeks and, and getting ready over the holidays here. And uh, we'll be ready to go on January 7th. Zach, my friend, always a pleasure catching up. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to the whole family. And uh, here's to a great 2017 for you, my friend. Thanks, Teddy. Appreciate it. One of the toughest things about being a professional athlete is having these holidays like Christmas or Thanksgiving, New Year's, in the middle of your seasons. Because you know what? It is great to be around family and friends, and you want to have the extra piece of pie, maybe have one or two extra sociables. Even though you know you have to be in the gym the next morning or you got to be on a flight two days later and you got to play your first game, it's one of the best feelings to be able to go home and be with your family and spend the time with them before you have to go and travel and see your other family and get to beat up on some people. And that's what all these guys are just anxiously awaiting, to not have to beat up on a teammate, to not have to punch your brother in the face. And in Jeremy Noble and Jason Noble's case, they actually are looking forward to punching their brother in the face. That's just one of the beauties of professional lacrosse and the National Lacrosse League. And we're nine days away. I am so excited. I am going to be that kid on Christmas, on Christmas, and on January 29th. Because I just get so stoked and so jacked for lacrosse. I can't help it. It's ingrained in me. I mentioned earlier that Zach Reed and I had the common connection of 19's Mercyhurst and the Rochester Nighthawks. A guy that insto facto we've both played with on different teams is a member of the Rochester Nighthawks. He is Dan Dawson and he's a longtime friend of the show. A proud father of young Theo and one of the best teammates and leaders in the game today. And I got a chance to talk with the dangerous one as his Rochester Nighthawks get set to try and get their way back into the NLL playoffs after a run of three straight national championships. They've kind of taken a bit of a dip. And when you look at this roster, you're going to see a lot of different faces. And Dan knows that. And everybody in that locker room knows that. And they know that this is a group that needs to come together quick because new faces often lead to long-time chemistry building. But when you have a good core group of veterans, like Corey Vitarelli, like Dan Dawson and Sid Smith, even Paul Dawson and Graham Hossack, who's only in his second year, but is one of those guys that people are going to look up to, those leaders have to bring this group together right quick. 
because they can't afford to fall down early in a very tough East Division when only three of five make it. So I asked Dan when I talked to him earlier about the fact of, you know, leading up to the home opener with Christmas just a few days before. Yeah, the way Christmas falls, it actually segues great into the first game of the season. It's different, though. It is on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see a lot of Thursday night games in Rochester, let alone the league. So um, I, I think it'll be great once, uh, you know, Christmas morning's done, he gets a bad boxing day. It's like, boom, let's go. It's game day. Let's get after it. Uh, it's obviously got to be a good feeling not to have to beat up on your teammates in practice, but what are you looking forward to getting out there with, with this group that, that's had a bit of a change uh, in look since last year? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of change, um, you know, a different direction, definitely, um, from the management on, on player personnel. And um, I think youth is the best word to describe what we've done in the offseason. And uh, a lot of guys that uh, have really pushed for roster spots. And actually, I think a lot of guys that didn't even make the roster really um, gave themselves an opportunity to be in this league. But as you know, with nine teams, there is a ton of good players not playing mm-hmm. this year. It's crazy to see some of the names that, that are getting released or that are on IR uh, that are they're just not even playing. Um, you guys are, have been really hit by the injury bug. You know, Suits isn't ready. Corey Vitarelli's hurt. Cody's obviously out uh, for the foreseeable future. But you talked about this youth move. The number of new faces on your offense it has to be tough from a standpoint of getting that chemistry together, but has to be really uh, inspiring and major, making you look forward to it because there is so much talent there out of these young kids. Yeah, I think you're right. In the draft picks we got in the first round, you know, Kyle Jackson and Josh Courier, mm-hmm. I think this league is really tailor-made to their game. Um, Courier has a, an amazing first step, and he's very elusive. And uh, he showed very well in, in the preseason games. And I think this league is uh, is going to be a, a great thing for for all his, um, the way he plays the game. And, and Kyle, you know, I, I don't know Kyle, and I, I didn't know Josh prior to this preseason, but, you know, Kyle is actually a very polished player. He, he's wise beyond his years. And um, I think these kids that are coming out of Division One after four years in a good program, you see the maturity. Um, that you didn't see, um, you know, years back um, from a 22, 23-year-old kid. So um, we're going to expect a lot from them. They're guys that are going to be, you know, probably playing 18 games. That's just my opinion, but uh, I don't I don't control that. But uh, they're definitely going to be exciting. And, and you know, yeah, I think you know more than anybody that you, you have such a small amount of time to gel and mesh as a team. It's really training camps a month and a half, and then mm-hmm. you're right into the season. And a lot of times – uh, to develop players in this league, they need to play. And it's like, listen, we're going to ride you for 18 games. We know you're going to be off the odd game, but we're gonna, that's the growing pains of, of being a young team. Is that the message that you stress as a guy that came into this league at quite a young age? You didn't have the experience of the NCAA. So you had to, you know, find that learning curve in those first years. What are the messages that you're sending to some of these young kids just to keep them positive when sometimes they have a bad shift or a bad game? I, I just, you know, I think when we play for Team Canada, I think Eddie Comos is the best. He's like a shot in your jersey, and then all jersey and your summer ball jersey is the same shot you you have it in Team Canada. And and that's why I tell young guys, listen, you're here for a reason. Don't ever second guess a shot or a take to the net. 
Um, we drafted you for a reason. You're part of this organization for a reason, and you you, you just got to play. And I think sometimes being left behind the ears is a good thing. Um, all they do is work hard and, and a little bit more pure than dissecting the game as you get older. And uh, I'm excited to watch these guys play and, more importantly, to play with them. Yeah. You get to play with this defense week in and week out. And when I was in Rochester, the MO of that team was defense out, and we had some absolute monsters on the back end. And you guys do too with your brother Paul, Graham Hossick, Scotty Campbell. And then you have in Captain Sid Smith. But then you have some smaller guys like Brad Gillies and Luke Magnan who just came over. This is a group that has been, been criticized at times for being slow and old. How would you combat that and saying that this is a defense that can win a national championship? Yeah, you know, um, I thought Brad, you know, he probably put on 10 pounds of muscle in the off season, and, and that's what was asked of him by the management and uh, coaching staff, and he's taken it so seriously. I, I, you can expect big things from Brad Gillies, and um, he's, he's going to be a warrior for us in transition, and I, I think this league has become so fast and young that you kind of got to find that fine line between guys, big, slow defenders that are in shooting lanes that can push the ball. It's like everyone's an athlete now, mm-hmm. whether you're 6'4", 225, or you're you know, 5'10", 180. Um, you know, you've got to be able to push transition and score in transition. I think special teams in transition are, are big reasons why teams win in this league. And uh, I think our defense is going to have the green light to, to push the ball in transition and play fast, make teams play fast. Obviously, your transition game starts in net with Matt Vince, who's one of the top goaltenders in all the world. Uh, how for you this entire team to keep him positive and keep him playing at the top level that, that confidence exudes throughout the whole roster? you got to build your organization, the goalie out, and we definitely feel we got one of the best to ever play the game. And we definitely know Matt's a big part of our success. And when he's on, we do well. There's no doubt about it. But we don't want to put too much pressure on him because, as mm-hmm. you know, when it's a game, I mean, we're going to win some 9-7 games. But then we're also hopefully going to be in some games where we win, you know, 16-15. And uh, Matt's one of those guys who's been around the game a long time. He's won at every level. Um, he knows that he can't win us 18 games. It's just, it's impossible. So uh, we got a great one-two punch with Angus as well. And uh, we know that Matt's going to stay positive throughout the year. And RD and, and O are hopefully going to give him every opportunity to be successful in that. Nine days away from home opener. Who's more excited? You for that game? Or young Theo for Sunday and Christmas morning. I gotta call it Theo. Um, you know, he's uh he's almost two in, in May, just over a year and a half and he's starting to understand how to unwrap gifts and he's in Santa and he didn't uh, get too scared. So um this is this is a very fun time for our family and um I think I'm more excited to see his face on Christmas morning. <laughs> Well, I'm sure your face and his face will be fairly similar on both days. Danny, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, you are truly one of the gentlemen of the game, and it's always a pleasure catching up. Happy holidays. Uh, give my best to the family, and Merry Christmas. Hey, thanks for all your support in the game, Teddy. You're the man. You heard it here first, folks. Dan Dawson just said that I'm the man. What a great early Christmas present. But as mentioned, this Rochester team does have some work to do. And it's not going to be easy. 
But with that veteran group that they have, I think they can get it done. I think they'll they'll easily can be contending for a playoff. I think all the teams in the East will be contending. But when you look at the number of new names on this team, and the crazy thing is it's all in the front door. And most of it is due to injuries to Corey Vitarelli and Cody Jameson. But look at the guys that have exited. Joe Walters is gone. Point is gone. As I mentioned, Vitarelli's hurt and Jammer's hurt. So you bring in Josh Courier. You bring in Kyle Jackson. Tyler Ferreira comes over from Buffalo. Wayne Van Every steps in. They bring back Jarrett Davis. And Quinn Palace is going to get a look. Add those guys to Dawson, Joe Rezateris, Stephen Keogh, and you have an incredible mix of young and old that actually will be quite successful once they're all on the same page. So with camp, the way the Nighthawks ran it, as most teams do, you know, stressing conditioning, stressing coming into camp ready. This group had to come together a lot quicker than most because of the new names that are out that front door. On transition, you have Dylan Evans, who's a mainstay at the faceoff dot. And then on the back end, you have Scott Campbell, Paul Dawson, Graham Hossick, Brad Gillies, Ian Lord, Luke Magnan came over from Toronto late, Sid Smith, and Joel Matthews. And then in between the pipes, you have Matt Vince and Angus Goodleaf. On the practice player roster, Luke Laskowitz, Dan Lomas, and John Ray. On the IR, Andrew Suter, Corey Vitarelli, and on the physically unable to playlist, Adam Bomberry and Cody Jamison. Now, a lot of people are wondering about Cody Jamison and his health status. He wrote a very impassioned letter to the fans of Nighthawk Nation, letting them know that he's doing everything he can to get himself ready to play. He doesn't know when that's going to be. He hopes it's sooner than later. But he's not going to rush it, but he wants to make sure that he's at 100% before he comes back. So great to hear that Cody's doing everything he can, but it hurts that offense. And with the loss of Joe Walters as well, this is a group that's going to need to find that spark somewhere. And I think it's going to have to start with Matt Vince and Net. Now, I've seen Matt at his best and I've seen him at his worst. And he can be a guy that kind of gets off his game a little bit. And you heard Dan say that they have to make sure that he has the confidence in them just like they have the confidence in him. And when Matt Vince is playing with confidence, there aren't too many better goaltenders in the entire National Cross League. This is a group that's often been criticized for being old and slow. They're not old and slow anymore. This is a group that's going to pressure and run, and when they get the ball up the floor, they're going to attack, attack, attack. And it's going to be great to see that this Rochester Nighthawk group tries to avenge what's happened the past couple of years at the BCA. Just two teams remain, and that's the Georgia Swarm and the Toronto Rock. We'll start with the Georgia Swarm, who, like other teams, have added some great young players, but have also been hurt by a bit of the injury bug, most notably to Jesse King, who will pretty much miss most of the year, but they're also going to be without Jordan McIntosh, their captain, and Johnny Paulus to start the season, all three on the physically unable to play list. Johnny Paulus still recovering from concussion-like symptoms that he suffered during the summer. Jordan McIntosh hasn't been playing all camp. He is still out. So that puts a lot of pressure 
on this Georgia Swarm offense, which has welcomed Jordan Hall to the phrase. They brought him over from New England when they learned that Jesse King wasn't going to be available. But look at this front group. Jordan Hall, the Thompson trio of Lyle, Jerome, and Miles, plus Shane Jackson, Kyle Matisse, and Randy Stats. That's a group that pretty much was together all year last year. Jerome didn't play, but he was there. And then you add Jordan Hall, who is just an incredible, savvy, veteran leader that will really be a quarterback for that offense. And I think that's really what they need. Jesse King was going to be that guy. And now they bring in Jordan Hall, and they're a different type of player. But Jordan Hall has to be that floor quarterback. He has to be that veteran calming presence along with Shane Jackson and Kyle Matisse to calm those guys down, especially the Thompsons, because this is going to be one of the first times in the pro game that we've had three family members play on one team. And that's going to be a free-flowing backyard style of lacrosse, but there's going to be times when that group needs to just calm down take a few breaths, use a 30, and that's where the veteran of Jordan Hall is going to come into play. In transition, you have Sean Young, Liam Burns, Ethan O'Connor, Chad Tutton, Jason Noble, and Brian Cole. That, my friends, is an extremely young transition group. An extremely inexperienced transition group. Then on defense, Mitch Belisle, Alex Kreppensek, Connor Sellers, Leo Storos, and John Rannigan, who comes over from New England as they released him at the deadline. And then in goal, we talked about him earlier, Mike Poulin and Brody McDonald, two guys that have battled all through camp. Now, the crazy thing is, and and I asked Mike Poulin, we're going to talk to him in a minute here. Georgia could be the first time in history that's had two goaltenders on their practice roster. Warren Hill and Adam Shute are alongside Braden Hill and Drew Pretkoff on the PR. Now, I don't know why they've gone this way. Maybe they're waiting to see if a trade happens. There have been rumors that there have been some teams that have been having their eye on Brody McDonald. And if that's the case, then they have two goalies ready to go for a backup and third spot. But to have four goalies is quite odd. One of those four is Mike Poulin, who comes over from Calgary, signed a three-year deal, and is expected to be the Georgia Swarm number one on opening day. And like most of us, he's excited for this weekend. And I asked him how he was dealing with Christmas stress and getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, yeah, two kids at home, and uh, it's, uh, it's, they're getting to an age where it's really getting fun. Uh, is your tree already packed with presents? That, my wife has done an amazing job of taking care of. <laughs> um, it, it's it's the time where everyone's excited because Christmas happens and then it's a new National Lacrosse League season. Um, it's a new uniform for you, but the same motivation. How excited are you to get the 2017 season started? Uh, really excited. It's uh, it's a fresh start. It's, um, you know, it's a whole new kind of uh, dynamic for me coming in and being one of the uh, the veteran guys, but also just the first day of training camp it being pretty different from what I'm used to and always, you know, seeing the same familiar faces. So it was a good camp. It was uh, kind of something new and exciting. And it, But that being said, it already feels like, you know, a, a group of guys that have bonded together and come a long way in just a couple short weeks. Uh, a lot of new faces, including five new rookies. What's the biggest challenge to get this group cohesive for game one? 
Uh, well, I think, you know what, in terms of getting everybody cohesive, our coaches have done a good job of uh, going over systems a lot in uh, in, our, in the brief training camp practices that we've had. But we've learned a lot from the two preseason losses that we had. Uh, you know, we lost to Toronto and Rochester, and both of those lineups that we played against didn't have a lot of game day uh, regular NLL faces in them. So it was a bit of an eye-opener. I think, uh, you know, goaltending, we would have liked to have been better in the Roch game. Uh, overall, I think the whole unit just needed to get a kick in the pants and realize, hey, this is the NLL. This isn't uh, a, a game where we can just show up and, and play. And so it, it was an eye-opener to see where we were. And, you know, I think, uh, especially after the Roch game, we've come a long way. Our practices have become harder. You can see the work ethic in guys come out. And uh, we don't want to be embarrassed. We've put a lot of expectations on ourselves in terms of where we expect this group to go. So uh, we had to come together. And in terms of cohesiveness, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of realizing, hey, we're here and we're having the conversations of, of wanting to be a championship contender. So we have to put everything else behind us and focus on on getting together and, uh, and becoming a championship caliber team. You talked about the goaltending situation. How are you and Brody McDonald getting along and pushing each other to be the best you both can be? Oh, great, great. Uh, you know, from the moment I've come in, I've got along really well with all four goaltenders at camp, uh, Adam Shute, Warren Hill, and Brody. Uh, you know, I had never really met Brody before camp, and, uh, you know, guys had told me he's quiet. Uh, guys had, um, you know, told me he's your typical goal even, which means we're <laughs> weird. But, uh, but, no, he's been great. He's He's talk to me, has questions, we've hung out. It's uh, It's been a, a good dynamic, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, do you think it's odd that you guys kept two goalies on the practice roster? Uh, it's not typical. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of raised an eyebrow to it as well, to be honest. I wasn't sure, uh, you know, what uh, what the, the motivation was. Um, you know, I don't know if they have a plan or if they, again, because we brought four goalies to camp, they might still want to get more looks at guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing, you know, Warren being a young guy and Adam being a flying guy, uh, their thought is we've got four talented goalies here. And, um, you know, I, I hope it means the guys made it very difficult for, for John and the coaching staff to make a decision and they want to get more looks. You've come from a very passionate and hard-nosed coach in Kurt Miloski and you go to the other side and now you're playing for Eddie Como. What's the difference between coaching styles? Uh, a complete 180, complete 180. Um, <laughs> you, you know, let both of them work. Uh, we have a younger team here in Georgia. So, uh, Eddie's style, I think works with this group. Um, I'm more like, uh, Kurt, you know, practice starts at eight, be on the floor at seven fifty-five. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it, it certainly takes some adjusting to, to get used to different styles when you've been with a coach for seven years. Um, I, I respected Kurt Milosky probably more than any lacrosse figure I've ever had, uh, and I love the way he runs practices. So they were everything we did had a purpose, and um, you know, and it was it was structured well, and I really liked that. So uh, that was that was certainly different for me to to leave you know the way Kurt ran things, um, but it's also been nice with this group that we have, Eddie. Um, you know, Eddie knows how to push the buttons. He knows how to get us going, and it doesn't have to be. You know, yelling, it doesn't have to be the way, you know, other people do it. It's mm-hmm. his own style, and it's worked for him. He's been a successful coach in this league for a long time. He's coached a lot of great players, so he certainly knows what he's doing. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what he brings to our practices and our structure throughout the year. 
obviously you didn't get to experience the whole experience of Georgia in their first year, but it's year two down in the deep south. Uh, what's the feeling around the community in the city of Duluth as the Swarm gets set for season two? Uh, I think, you know, in terms of the uh, the organization, everybody's excited to uh, to kind of start pushing this product out there more. Uh, you know, last year, obviously, the attendance wasn't great. Um, you know, because the team moved there only about three months before the season started, mm-hmm. uh, they felt they didn't have, you know, the full marketing push behind their, their launch that they would have liked. So this is almost like a relaunch in my eyes. Uh, of having a full year plus and some product and some content to push out there, and with the way the Atlanta Blaze worked, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, having a full year to really kind of push this product, I think it's going to be you know a lot more successful year. But in terms of even the team and the guys, I think we all realize, hey, we're in the business of winning. But uh, along with that comes comes uh, you know making sure that this league and this team is successful. So understanding that we're a brand and everything we do represents. Uh, the Swarm, I think guys are really excited to get out into the community. We've got a handful of guys moving down, coaching teams and running lacrosse programs uh, throughout Atlanta. So it's uh, it's exciting to kind of see lacrosse grow in new markets. Um, and I, I'm really hopeful that this one does uh, pull out because John has done so much for the NLL. He's been around a long time and he's, he's invested a lot. He wants to see this work. And I think it would be great, uh, you know, great for it to, to start growing in the southern United States. Well, it's not far to you boys hitting the turf for a meaningful game. Pooley, always a pleasure catching up. Happy holidays. Enjoy enjoy Christmas, and I'm sure we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for having me, and uh, happy holidays to you too. I, like many, am really interested to see how the South accepts the Georgia Swarm in year two because they were a playoff team last year. And if they can build off that success both on the floor and create that in success off the floor, then we really could have something in the dirty, dirty. But I'm still not sold. They just, they weren't able to get any traction in that marketplace. Now, like Poulin said, you know, they were kind of shortchanged. They got the team late. They didn't have a full run up into the season like most teams do. And it might have taken them some time to kind of let everybody in that area know what was going on. But now they've had a full year. So let's hope that that translates into more people in the seats because there's nothing worse than seeing a good lacrosse team and a playoff lacrosse team playing in front of nobody. And Nick Zakevich is adamant in all the interviews that he gives that we're not moving any more teams. We're not losing any more teams. So they have to find a way to have success with a strong season ticket holder fan base and a strong fan base in general down there in Duluth. I think this team can be successful. I think what they needed was a strong, solid goaltender and a strong, consistent number one. And I think Mike Poulin gives that them that solidity. I think Brody McDonald becomes a great backup if he stays. If not, they have Warren Hill and Adam Shute. But I think... Mike Poulin will be a huge impact player for that group. Now, will their offense have the chemistry that everyone hopes they will? I think they will. This is a group that's ready to go from jump. And even without Jesse King, I think you'll see one of the highest scoring teams come out of the ATL. 
The other team in the East is one I I just can't put my finger on. I I just honestly I have no idea how the Toronto Rock are going to do this year. They lose three of their best forwards. Colin Doyle retires. Josh Sanderson retires. And Rob Hellier is on the IR, and there's no timetable for his return. They do, however, get Brett Hickey back. He is the only man to ever score 50 goals in one season in a Rock uniform. And I got a chance to catch up with him and just asked him how good it was going to feel to get back on the floor after missing so much time with an injury. Super excited. Uh, I was a little nervous coming into into training camp. Hadn't had butterflies in my stomach like that in a while, but uh, every step, every every day was a step in the right direction. And I have a lot of, uh, a lot of teammates to thank for getting me back to where I'm at. What's the biggest motivating factor for you this year? Uh, the fact that we were what, five and thirteen last year. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our our, our, t- our team was uh, definitely below our standards and uh, last year in terms of uh, our play and and, and our results. And uh, that's motivating enough to come back and, and uh, try and help get this team back on track. Obviously, Matt Sawyer is not new to the organization or to a lot of you players. But as a head coach, what's he bringing to the squad in a new look? Uh, he's bringing accountability, uh, in my opinion. Um, guys have been uh, probably training more than they ever have in their, in, their, in their careers, gearing up for the season and for training camp. And I think that's because of the... Uh, the high intensity and, and what we expect out of each other. And that started with, with, with Coach Sawyer um, setting, setting the precedent early on. And uh, his, his knowledge and, and his intensity and, and our practices have been, have been just even a step up from, from any other year I've, I've, I've had in this league. Obviously, it's not easy to replace Shooter or, or Doyle, but as an offensive group, what's your guys' focus this year just to make the transition a little more seamless? Uh, offense by committee. Uh, everybody's going to have to contribute. Obviously, you can't replace the guys we've lost, not only in Shooter and Doyle, but in Rob Hellier. And mm-hmm. so we're going to have to do, do it together as a group. It's not going to be a focal point on one guy. It's going to be uh, a five-man unit uh, stepping onto the floor every time, and everybody's going to be a threat to, to put the ball in the back of the net. The Toronto Rock have only had three Americans in their entire franchise history. Now you have doubled that number with three more in the roster this year. How are you impressed with, you know, McArdle and, and, and the guys who, who came in this year with very little box experience? Uh, you know what? I've been very impressed by, by their willingness to learn. And, uh, the, you know, they're asking questions. They're sticking around after practice and just trying to get to know not only the guys but, but the game itself. And, and every you can see it every single practice, every time they step on the floor, they just seem to understand it that much better and, uh, they're, they're great. They're great players to begin with. They're, they have lacrosse minds. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are American. They are field players, but at the same time, um, they're, they're very, very smart. So they, they're picking up on it very quickly. And, uh, and I'm excited to have them uh, playing with us this year. Uh, one of the big, you know, standouts for you guys last year was your age. And the Rock were one of the oldest teams in the National Lacrosse. You guys have gotten a lot younger, including Latrell Harris, who will probably be the youngest guy in the NLL. How important is that for you guys to be younger, faster, and, and motivated? Well, you know what? It, it, uh, it allows us to kind of have guys get pushed. Um, yeah. You know, with, with those young guys coming into camp, uh, I'm, I'm sure it definitely pushed uh, not only me, but, but some of the older guys to not only play better, but, uh, but, but to come prepared. And those guys, those young guys are hungry and mixed with the veterans that we have. I think this team is uh, pointed in the right direction because uh, it's, it's going to be only be up for there for guys like Latrell and the rookies coming in.
let, let's talk about Latrell because you were once a young guy in this league. Uh, what are some of the you know advice that you've given to him just to help him feel a little more comfortable in the pros? Uh, just just ask a lot of questions and soak everything in. Um, his physical ability is there. He's only going to get bigger and stronger and, and, and smarter. Um, but you know, he's latched on to guys, uh, some of the older guys, the guys in, in the room. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's done a fantastic job. And he's earned himself a spot uh, not only on the team but on the active roster. And he's going to be contributing day one. And that's fantastic for him. And a true testament to, to kind of his preparation and into, into his ability to play. As a guy who goes against the Rock defense week in and week out in practice, how tough is it going to be for offenses to get inside on Rosie? It's going to be tough. We're we're a lot bigger and, like you said, a lot more athletic and younger on the back end, and we're going to be a mean team. Um, they they're intense back there. They don't want us to score during practice, and uh, they get just as pissed off during a game as they do in practice with when we score on them, if we score on them. So it's uh, it's uh, very, very tough, and, and teams are – they want to be a team that uh, uh, offenses don't want to play against, and they've definitely uh, got that going for them right now. You guys get the lucky honor to kick off the season against Rochester on the 29th. How excited are you for that night and, and getting things going? Uh, super excited. It's always good to get your feet wet early. Uh, we'll be able to, to kind of set a precedent and uh, – and able to kind of set the league on notice that we're we're here to play and and that we're we're we mean business this season and then we're looking for a bounce back year. Hickey, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Uh, happy holidays, enjoy the Christmas with the fam, and uh, good luck on the 29th. Thank you very much, Teddy, and uh, Merry Christmas. You heard it correctly. There have only been three Americans in Rock history to crack the roster, and now they have three in one year. The jury is still out on how the three of them will fare. Kieran McArdle, Tom Schreiber, and Connor Bujak will and have made this team. And I talked about it last week that I had this real strong sinking sinking feeling that they were going to make this roster and truly have an impact. But I don't know. And when you're playing against your team in practice, yeah, they're going to go like 95%. And you're going to get to really experience what it's like to play indoors. But until you play a true game against a team's full roster, you never really know about some of these guys. Now, it's a great thing that Schreiber and McArdle have a good support group around them. You know, Josh Sanderson is going to be there. I'm sure Colin Doyle is going to be around. He works at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center, so he's going to be around that group and those guys when they're at practice. Casey Beerns, Mikey McDonald, who's a young guy but knows the indoor game, Turner Evans, Steph LeBlanc, Dan Lintner, Brett Hickey, all these guys have to not coddle the Americans because that's the last thing you want to do. You want to be able to let them take the reins off and do their thing. But you have to make sure that they aren't left out on an island, that they're not cast aside as the Americans, because that's not going to help anybody. Now, I can't remember who said it to me, but someone had tweeted out at me that, you know, it's great for Schreiber and McCarlow because they have two hands and it's going to allow them to free up their shots. Well, a lot of times when we've seen Americans in the indoor game who want to switch hands, it doesn't translate to success. These guys have to figure out what their strong hand is and stick with it. Because 
it doesn't help when guys are switching hands and and all over the floor. It breaks up the cohesiveness of the unit. And I think those guys, under the guidance of Blaine Manning and Casey Behrens and Shooter and the guys that are around him, have understood that and are accepting that role. And what Colin Doyle did for Paul Rabel when they were both in San Jose allowed Rabel to become the player that he was when he was with Washington in those early days. I truly hope that Brody Merrill can do that for Connor Bujak and make him into a transition beast like Paul Rabel was and still could be if he ever comes back and just so happens to be on this Toronto Rock roster. But that's for another conversation. So here is the rest of the Rock roster. So you have Beerns, McArdle, McDonald, Hickey, Evans, LeBlanc, Schreiber, and Lintner out the front door. Bujek, Gamble, Challen Rogers, Brody Merrill in transition. Sandy Chapman, Brad Cree, Jeff Gilbert, Damon Edwards, Billy Hostrauser, and Latrell Harris on defense with Nick Rose and Steve Fryer between the net. Latrell Harris is going to be the youngest player in the National Lacrosse League, and there are a lot of people raving about him and very high on what he has. But the crazy thing is, is if you talk to people who were at the Combine and who watched the Combine, GMs, fans, other writers, they'll tell you Latrell Harris didn't have a good camp. And yet, he's been the talk of the preseason. And I, for one, can't wait to see him play in his first National Lacrosse League game. Now, does he play in the season opener against Rochester on the 29th? Who knows? Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all. On the practice roster, you have Jordan Magnuson, Reed Reinholdt, and Brody Tutton. On the IR, Brock Sorensen, Patty Merrill, Rob Marshall, Brandon Miller, and Rob Hillier is on the physically unable to play list. Now, Patrick Merrill is a strange case scenario because when we talked to him last year after he hurt his knee, he was saying that he was retired, but they were able to convince him Put him on the IR. Let's see how things are. Let's see how things go. And maybe they can get him back into the lineup. Brock Sorensen, um, they still know real timetable for his return. Brandon Miller is recovering from surgery, and Rob Marshall is out as well. So um, the Rock already starting the year uh, with a full IR. So this is a team that has a long way to go, I think. I'm just, again, I'm just not sold on them. I like the makeup of this group. I like the Americans on the roster, uh, and they really performed quite well in the preseason. I think they were 3-0 in the three games that they played, but again, you can't put much weight on preseason. There's teams that have gone undefeated and finished last and teams that have gone winless and finished first. But the way that Brett Hickey talked about accountability and people being on top of their game playing for Matt Sawyer, you have to think that this will be a turnaround year for the Toronto Rock. We did it. We got through all nine National Lacrosse League teams. I didn't think we'd make it, but we did. Now, there was one other pretty significant piece of news that came out of the lacrosse world last week, and that was the unveiling of the new National Lacrosse League logo. When we spoke with Nick Sakevich a while back and he teased us about this new logo and he said it would bring the National Cross League up to date with some of the other leagues, it would begin a new narrative 
and it would be a new beginning. 30 years in the past, let's all move forward. Um, we all thought and kind of knew that there was going to be some native influence for it, um, but we, we didn't have any idea what it was going to look like. And when I talked to some GMs last week, it was a bit of a split. Some were excited, some weren't, some were on the fence. And I think that's kind of where we are now after this reveal. And I'm still not sold on it. And I don't know if I like it. Like, I'm a, we're allowed opinions. That's, that's why we do our job. We are allowed to have opinions and we are allowed to be critical. We are allowed to be positive. And I'm still on the fence. I, I like the fact that teams can have their own identity. Uh, each team is, has their own color scheme for the logos. That's a cool little thing. I didn't think it was necessary. I, I like the, the, the fact that it pays towards the National Lacrosse League heritage in the NLL star. Um, as the league said, it's anchored by a four-pointed star, which is an acknowledgement of the four original NLL teams from the Mid-Atlantic region. The star serves as a guide, something to take the league into the future. It's also evocative of the Nash Native American Morningstar and pays homage to the roots of the sport and the tremendous influence of that community. I get that. That's fantastic. I like it. It's really cool. And then the shield that wraps around the logo reflects the warrior spirit of our Native American forebears and current players, athletes who must exhibit superior strength of mind and body in order to compete at the ultimate level of the sport. Again, that's an awesome story. But when you look at the logo, nothing about it screams lacrosse. Other than the words National Lacrosse League right beside the logo on some of the pictures that there are, if you just showed someone the NLL with the star and they didn't know what the National Lacrosse League was, there is no way they would know what that league was or what the logo was for. I appreciate the fact that we pay homage to where we've been in the heritage of the game. I'm just not sold on what the National Lacrosse League came out with. I'm just not. And maybe it'll grow on me. It's, it already is kind of growing on me. Like It's a logo. I didn't have anything wrong with the old logo. It's who we are. We're lacrosse players. And a picture of a guy holding a stick in a red, white, and blue background was fine with me. So... I understand Commissioner Nixakevich wants to move this league forward and take it in his direction and kind of make this, you know, this is the Nixakevich era. However, it's just not what I thought. And maybe that's a good thing. But we have a new logo and we can move forward. And when I talked to one GM about it, he said, you know what, I'm not really concerned about that. I just want to focus about the product on the floor and what our team does. And I'm okay with that. I agree with that 100%. We don't need to focus on the logo. It's out there. It's done. It's in the past. It's taking us forward. But now the focus has to be on the floor. It's kind of like this whole argument of everybody, oh, we need a lacrosse emoji. Why? Why are people like going to such lengths to create a lacrosse emoji. Yeah, it sucks. 
yeah, we got overlooked. But do we need to make like this big movement to get a lacrosse emoji? Maybe. Maybe I'm becoming one of those senile old people someone once told me that I was. But I don't think so. I think there's other things we can concern ourselves with, and that's going to start in nine days. And that is when the 2017 National Lacrosse season kicks off. I hope you are ready because I am. And in nine days, we will be underway. Special thanks to all of the guys who were able to give me some time today. Thanks to Dan Dawson, Zach Reed, David Brock, Curtis Dixon, Reese Dutch, Brett Hickey, Cam Holding, Mike Poulin, and Kyle Rubish. Special thanks to those guys. And of course, thank you to all of you fans who have stuck by the show all throughout the year in this extra long season preview show. Um, It's almost Christmas, and I'm going to enjoy it with my family here on the island. And then I'm going to sit back, kick back, and watch some lacrosse in nine days. I hope you will too. NLL TV is where you can watch all of the action. Make sure you subscribe and get yourself ready because it's going to come fast and the goals are going to come off. And that's all we can ask for. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and I wish you and your family all the best as we move towards 2017. My name is Teddy Jenner at Off the Crossbar, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. And we will talk to you in a week's time. We are nine days away. Be excellent to each other. 